If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. This is our third week in Romans 8, and I will finish it tonight. It might be 10 o'clock, but I will finish tonight, all right? So whenever you feel like leaving, take off. I won't, I won't go that long. Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for all these wonderful people here, the people of God in the house of God. Lord, we give attention to your word right now, and we say do what you need to do for us tonight, Lord. Let your word speak to us and through us. Let it build us and heal us, and restore us and help us and correct us. Thank you, Lord, for your word that it is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. And we invite your word to have its full impact in our lives tonight. We choose to confess your word. We choose to think on your word. We choose to act on your word. It is everything to us. Jesus said that we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we're here to feast on your word tonight, and we thank you, Lord, for the nourishment that it brings to our lives, to our families, and, Lord, to those who we come in contact with. In the name of Jesus, amen. Romans 8, let's start at verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Isn't that good news that this earth that has been broken because of man's fall is going to also be redeemed? Not just us, but God is going to make all things new through the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Ladies and gentlemen, we see that more and more in the earth today. We see the earth crying out for redemption, don't we? We see it all the time in, in the, the weather patterns. We see it in earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and all those kinds of things. What some people would call the judgment of God. No, it's the fall of man that, that brought that kind of thing. And it's the earth crying out, crying out for its day of redemption, crying out for everything to be made new again, to be made right because in the beginning, the earth didn't act like it does today. It wasn't so. When God told Noah that it was going to rain, he didn't even know what rain was. The earth was flooded because of judgment, because of man's sin. And, but since the fall, since Adam fell, the earth has continued to groan and to be in pain, longing for redemption. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39 Jesus is on the boat with the disciples and they come to him and he's asleep in the ship in the stern and the scripture says they came and said, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. And then Jesus got up and it says, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Everybody say great calm. There was a great calm. What is it that the earth is looking for? What is it the earth is groaning for? Redemption, yeah, but it's also looking for the revealing of the sons of God because the earth is here to serve us. The earth was created for man. And when God finally made man on the sixth day, he said, subdue the earth, have dominion, 
be fruitful and multiply. And he told man that he had dominion over all of the earth. So the earth is looking for sons of God, that is, people who will act like God in the earth, people who will speak like God in the earth. So when the Son of God spoke this command to the storm, the storm yielded. Why? Because the Son of God was revealed. It's what the, it's what the, the earth was looking for at that moment, and it yielded to the command of the Son of God, a man who was willing to stand there and take his rightful place and subdue the earth and take dominion. Hallelujah. Verse 23, let's continue. Of, eight, of Romans 8, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even when even we ourselves groan within ourselves. I think only believers can understand that kind of language. Hmm? Yeah. You have this such joy on the inside, such a connection to God. You love Him. You want to please Him. As Paul, we, we talked about in Romans chapter 7. Remember, he talked about the inner man who wants to do the right thing, but the flesh ain't doing the right thing. That's what I hate. That's what I find I do, and that's what I want to do. That's what I find I'm not doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? This body is fighting who I really am and what I really want to do, that inner, that continual struggle between spirit. And so, so our spirit groans within us, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That is that we are born again, a new creation in the spirit, right? Our spirits are waiting for now the full manifestation of this salvation when our bodies are one day glorified. And that's the hope we have. We have the spirit as a guarantee, as the seal of that day that Jesus will save us all the way. Hallelujah. That we will have a body that will live forever. Aren't you glad this isn't the final product? Huh? I mean, this is, this is pretty good looking, but I'm just glad it's not the final product. The pain that you, have, that you go through and the stuff that you deal with, some, sometimes on a daily basis, praise God, none of that stuff is even going to exist. Amen. Okay, uh, verse 24, for we were saved in this hope. We were saved. What's the hope? That we're, that we're going to be fully saved, spirit, soul, and body, and, and live forever with God. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with everybody's favorite word, patience. We eagerly wait for it. With perseverance. That is what we're what he's really saying, it's worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for. That hope that we have, it's worth waiting for. Amen. Likewise, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. In the same way that we have hope, this is so beautiful. The Spirit has hope for us. He helps us in our weaknesses. And then he tells us what specific weaknesses that He's talking about, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know what to pray as we ought to. What is Paul saying here? Well, what he's teaching us is if it weren't, if it wasn't for the Spirit 
who Jesus said would guide us into all truth, who would teach us all things, who would bring to remembrance the things that he said. If it wasn't for him leading us and guiding us, uh, we, we would pray weak prayers. Because remember, and this is, this is amazing that Heather was talking about this, the mindset that it, if you just change your thought and maybe look at it from a different perspective, that's what repentance is. <laughs> it means to change your thinking, change the way you think. This, this ought to be happening every day of our lives. You know, when I was a kid, repentance was crying out at an altar. That was all I knew about what repentance was. And sometimes that happens. But it really is about what happens right here, right? I mean, you might end up bawling your eyes out all night, or you might just go, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I mean, it can be that simple. It's changing the way you think. And, that, and so it's a daily thing because we deal in this daily world. And so we have to continually be renewed, re renew this mind to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, because here's the thing, if we're not careful, if we're not really listening to the Spirit, if we're not letting the Spirit help us when we pray, then we'll just pray how we think. Amen. Or we'll pray how we feel. Amen. We feel angry, we pray angry. We feel sad, we pray sad. But listen to me, Paul says that's not, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Because if we ever pray according to our senses, ladies and gentlemen, then we just pray in weak prayers. And then maybe that Garth Brooks song might come true. Look at Luke chapter 9 for just a moment. I want to show you what I'm talking about. He is, we have a high priest who sympathizes with us and he is touched with the very feelings of our infirmity. Thank God that Jesus knows what we're going through. But I'll, I want us to also notice something too. When Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed to the Father, He prayed with this assurance. He prayed with this confidence. He prayed like He knew God. Watch this. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Remember Samaritans and Jews? They don't get along. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. All right? Verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, hey, these are two of the big three, aren't they? Peter, James, and John are his Closest companions. John's the one who wrote all the love stuff. All right? And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? In other words, you want us to pray how we feel right now? You want us to pray angry? Look what Jesus said. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went into another village. Even James and John, they didn't know how to pray at this moment. And if they would have prayed angry, that was not the will of God. That was not the Spirit of God. You don't know what spirit you're of, he said. In other words, that's not of the Spirit of God. 
See, when man fell, man didn't lose the ability to hear God. Man lost the ability to talk to God. Adam heard the voice of God walking in the garden. And then God said, Adam, where are you? Remember what Adam said? The first thing out of Adam's mouth was, I was afraid. God said, why are you talking like that? We don't talk like this. I was afraid. And God knew at that moment, did you eat of the tree? You got that knowledge somewhere else. That's not the knowledge I gave you. You got that thinking somewhere else. I was afraid, he said. Cain, who murders, murdered his own brother, did he hear God? Darn right he heard God. So man never lost the ability to hear God. They just lost the ability to talk back to him, to communicate with him. Even the disciples, I mean, we, t- we saw a little example there. But when, when Jesus, uh, uh, in, well, let me just, Luke chapter 11 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus, when, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, so these guys who are born, children of Israel, sons of Abraham, circumcised on the eighth day, Jews to the bone, don't know how to pray? Well, not after they heard the way Jesus prayed. And when they heard Jesus pray, they realized they don't know. We don't know what to say. Nobody's prayed like this man. I don't know how to pray like that. That's why they said, teach us to pray. You pray differently than everybody else. So then Jesus began to teach them. Interesting, isn't it? The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray as we ought. And I want to just challenge your thinking tonight when it comes to prayer. The first, well, let me tell you, a fail-safe prayer is praying in the Spirit. (laughs) Praying in the Spirit is a marvelous way to talk to God. Because you can't jack that up. You can't jack that up with your own thinking, with your own feeling. I mean, you can pray mad, praying in the Spirit. I mean, if you want to just let out a, you know, feeling, if you get mad at your spouse, go out there and pray in the Holy Ghost. Huh? Pray in the Spirit. My, my, my previous pastor used to call it cussing in tongues. But what, whatever you've got to do, pray in, the, pray in the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit knows what to pray, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. And, and Paul later teaches us that when we pray in the Spirit, that we edify ourselves, that we, that we speak the mysteries of God. It's the utterance of the Spirit. The mind is unfruitful. Thank God, right? Thank God the mind can't get involved in that. That's, that's coming from way down in that deep well, that reservoir of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's one way to do it, yeah. But when you... You also need to pray. He said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I'll also pray with the understanding. So you need to pray with the understanding, but you have a whole Bible right there to learn how to pray according to it. Grab a hold of what God has said and pray what God has said. What has God said? God said, you're healed. So how should you pray when you're sick? I wish the Lord would do something. God, I wish you'd just hurry up and heal me. Hmm? Come on. Come on, change your thinking. 
Pray like you know God and pray like you know what his will is in your life and command those things to come to pass. Jesus yeah. said, what, uh, whatever things you desire when you pray, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Faith is the prerequisite. Believe you receive them and you will have them, right? He says, whoever says to this, now I've, I've just got to go back to verse 23 of Mark 11. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask or desire, whatever things you ask. Now, think about this. Jesus didn't sound like he was asking any questions in verse 23. You say to this mountain, be removed. You believe that you have what you say, then you will have what you say. Therefore, whoever, whatever things you ask. Hmm. So prayer is not a Wondering if it'll happen with a little question mark in the end. It sounds like a whole lot of commanding it to happen. Joshua said to the Lord, Son, stand still. Got to change our thinking here. Know that your Father, Jesus said it's your Heavenly Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So pray that way. Pray like you already have it. Pray like it's rightfully yours. You don't have to beg God for one thing. Hmm? This is how sons of God are revealed in the earth. That's why we need to act like who we are. It's what the earth is groaning for. It's what we're groaning for even within ourselves. But the Spirit Himself, verse 26, again, the latter part of verse 26, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered or put into words. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Did you catch that? The Spirit's prayer is according to the will of God. That's why I'm saying you can't mess that up. If you'll pray in the Spirit, you'll always pray the will of God. Wow. He helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our weaknesses that we can pray a prayer that is full of the will of God. Now, watch. And we know. All things work together for what? Good. We know all things work. Why do we know that? Because we know when we pray the will of God that the end is good. Because God is good, therefore the end result should be good. Are you catching this? We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to the to his purpose. When we pray according to the Spirit, then the will of God is known and the will of God is always good. Think about this for a moment. When Jesus prayed, good things always happen. He prayed for the sick. What would happen? The sick would get healed. He'd command a devil to come out and the devil would come out. Standing before Lazarus' tomb, who had been dead four days, he looks up to heaven and says, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. And that man who had been dead four days got up. Did he have a choice? No. Got up and walked out of that tomb alive. Wow. Death, sickness, demon possession, these are all effects of sin. And Jesus never taught that any of that was from God. What he did was commanded those things to change. He was manifested, according to John, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. See, that's why you and I can be confident when we pray. 
You don't have to question, well, Lord, is it your will to heal? Come on. Yes, it is. Jesus has scars on his back ensuring that it is God's will to heal. Amen. That's why we lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's why we believe that we can raise the dead. That's why we cast out devils. I've cast out a few devils in my life. I like doing that because they have to obey. I like watching people get set free. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Because that's how the sons of God are revealed in the earth. When we take what is wrong and make it right. And it's going to be people who know how to pray right. And pray like children of God that will see good be the end of these situations. There's so much injustice and there's so much trouble in the earth. I say just go find it and do something about it. Hmm? You won't have to go very far. Might even be in your house right now. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I love that. No longer is Jesus the only begotten son of God. Now he's the firstborn among many brethren. He made you and I. In other words, what this says, he made you and I just like Jesus. Did you catch that? Since we are like Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, then let's pray that way. Huh? Boldly, confidently, full of faith in our God. Come on, tell somebody, you're just like Jesus. Tell them, you're just like him. Mm -hmm. You're just like Jesus. 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called. Did you know all of you are called in here tonight? Because if you're in Jesus Christ, you're predestined. And if you're predestined, then you're called. Yeah, it ain't just Pastor Eric that's called. You're all called. These he also justified. In whom he justified, these he also... Wow, I thought glorified. I don't feel very glorified. You? What do you mean glorified? I know I'm going to be glorified. This body's going to be glorified. Yeah, but in the mind of God, it's all signed, sealed, and delivered. It's all done. When Jesus said it is finished, that, he meant exactly that. It's done. Sanctified, justified, sanctified, glorified. Hallelujah. That is, if he started, if he justified you, then you might as well count yourself glorified too because whatever God starts, he is sure to finish. Amen. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 31, look at this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for for us. God is not for yeah. sickness. Amen. God is not for calamity. God is not for destruction. God is for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, it really doesn't matter who's against you. Right. He who did not spare his own son. And then he goes, tells us the cost, what it costs God. He who did not spare his own son, what God was willing to do so that you and I could act just like Jesus in the earth, so that we could be like Jesus in the earth. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Say, that includes me. 
He delivered up for How shall he not with him also freely give us how many things? Amen. There's nothing more precious to God than his son. If he's willing to give Jesus, come on, he'll do anything for us. (laughs) That's really good news. You see why we can pray these unlimited prayers then? If God's not holding anything back from us? We got to pray the right way then. We got to think about what we're, well, maybe not think so much about what we're praying, but pray what He has said. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, we do need to think, weigh the words that are coming out of our mouth. Don't just pray anything. There are a lot of people praying anything. I mean, if it was just about prayer, I think the Muslims would have us beat. Hmm? If it was if it was just about how much you pray, these guys beat us hands down. But uh, thank God it's not about that. It's about the kind of prayer you're praying. Oh yeah, can move mountains. Sometimes that prayer is in the name of Jesus. I heard Brother Copeland say that one time. Somebody told him, Brother Copeland, we got to pray through. We got to pray through. He said, in Jesus' name, I'm through. (laughs) Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Hmm. So what did that just tell you tonight? What does that verse tell you tonight? If God justified you, who is it possible that can bring a charge against you? Who can do that? And the Scriptures calls the the, the devil the accuser of the brethren, and he's trying his best, but he has no ground to stand on. God justified you. God has accounted your faith as righteousness. He sees you as blameless and holy and above. What in the world could the devil possibly, how could he get a foothold if you believe his report? If you grab a hold of that report and you say that you believe that you're guilty and that you're a sinner and that you've got all this. No, no, no. No, God justified me. Nobody can charge me. Well, that's good news. Yeah, amen. Uh, uh, turn over to Deuteronomy for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter... Help me, honey. 19? Sorry, Brooke, I didn't have this in the notes. I think 19, uh, 15. Wow, I'm good. All right. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. This is the first place where we see this phrase, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. One man shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin. Jesus later on said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, uh, every word shall be established. And Paul later on said it in Corinthians as well. So this is a, an axiomatic truth, if you will. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has justified you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have three witnesses that say you're justified. How many is the devil? One. 
he has no ground to stand on. He can't charge you with anything concerning any iniquity or any sin because the three witnesses have said, no, you're free. You're innocent. You're blameless. Wow, wow, wow. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. All right, let's continue. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? In other words, that's saying Christ was, Christ was already condemned. So who can condemn you? If Jesus Christ doesn't condemn you, then you're not condemned. Who's the right, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. What is he saying right there? Well, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. That don't sound like conquerors. Famine, nakedness, persecution, trials, tribulations. How can we be conquerors unless we overcome all of those things? Yet in all of these circumstances, what he's saying, no matter what level of trouble you find yourself in, ladies and gentlemen, God justified you. Jesus was condemned for you. Hallelujah. You win every time. He put you right at the top. Matter of fact, he seated you right there next to Jesus in heavenly places. You are in a winning position all the time. You just have to know it for yourself and enforce that victory that is already yours. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors, which means none of these things can beat us. We have the victory. Come on, somebody shout, we win. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in the end, the love of God is what makes us win over all. Because love never fails. Hallelujah. Father, help us to get this. Help us to rely on the helper. Help us to let the Spirit help us so that we don't pray amiss, that we don't pray just spinning our wheels, but, Lord, that we will be the sons of God in the earth who take our rightful place to have dominion, to subdue the earth, to, to act like Jesus in the earth, to command sickness and disease to leave, to cast out devils, to raise the dead, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to declare the gospel, the saving power of God in this earth. Thank you, Lord, that you have so blessed us by bringing us into your family. Thank you, Lord. You didn't just bring us to a place where you could tolerate us. No, you brought us into your family. And you love us like we are your own because we are. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. We don't want the earth groaning 
because we're not being who we are and doing what we do. We want to be bringing peace wherever we go and declaring the goodness of God and seeing men and women set free. Thank you, Father, for all of these lights in this room today. Hallelujah. All of these whose lives are on display. As your children, Lord, we're called to be influencers in the earth, not people who eke out an existence, but people who change the world. I thank you that you've given us every reason to do it, every way to do it, every means, every resource that's found in your love in which we are held forever, in which nothing can separate us from. Thank you for the victory that we have. I pray for, I know there are some in here tonight, Father, that are in a real battle right now. They're in a real struggle and they need your help. Lord, help them to be encouraged tonight to know that we win. That whatever they might be facing right now, it's not bigger than God. And God is for them, and therefore they will overcome. They have overcome, therefore they will. I thank you for bodies receiving healing in Jesus' name. People who are dealing with chronic pain, I just speak to that pain right now and command it to leave these bodies in Jesus' name. I declare this people healthy and whole in the name of Jesus, living in the fullness of healing tonight. I thank you, Father God, for those tonight, Lord, who have been struggling in their thoughts, Lord. They've been, they've been having anxious thoughts, restless nights. I declare the peace of God now to govern their lives, to, to be that umpire in Jesus' name in their life that will guard and preserve their minds and their hearts. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Those who are having financial struggles tonight, Father, I thank you. Nothing is too hard for you. You are able to do more than what we could ask or think, and I thank you for blessing them tonight, helping them, Lord, not to, not to buckle under the stress of financial pressure, but, Father God, to look to you, knowing that you care and that you will help them in the name of Jesus, for you are our provider. You know what we have need of before we ask, but you said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Thank you that you don't supply our needs according to our economic system, but according to what you have. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. Amen and amen. Praise God. I love you guys very much. Sunday. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11 and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.